Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Um, quick question for you. How many of you love social media? Raise your hand. That's awesome. There's not one hand. There's somebody out there that I know that's like, it's me, but I don't want to raise it. All right, so most of us, we don't like social media a whole lot. Um, social media is all about this world about trying to get people to follow you. Uh, putting things out there that nobody cares about, and, and then we just scroll through mindlessly. And I, I was looking this last week at the, the people with the highest followings on different social media sites. On Instagram, there's a guy named Cristiano Ronaldo. We're Americans. We probably don't know who he is. He is like the world's most well-known soccer player. We don't care about soccer. That's just a little secret for most of us. Um, my daughter played soccer up until she's going to do track now. And I've got to be honest, it's great because I still didn't know the rules. Um, I know how to run a little bit better. But Cristiano Ronaldo on Instagram, he had four, has 400 million followers. I calculated, that's like one out of 20 people in the world. Twitter. Barack Obama, former president, he's got the most followers, 130 million followers. YouTube, there is a channel called T-Series. I have no clue what it's about. I've never watched it, never will. But there is 208 million followers on that channel. And Facebook, once again, Cristiano Ronaldo comes in first place with 151 million followers. There are other social media sites. I didn't have the heart to look at it, at who was the, the biggest followed person in that one. Uh, all these people, a lot of them, they're not necessarily going out just trying to get all kinds of followers and putting ads out there. People follow them because they're well-known. People follow them because of the content they put out there. But it got me wondering, who would you want to follow so badly that if they walked through the door of your house or your office place and they said, hey, come and hang out with me for the day, who, who would you leave your family, or your work for that day to hang out with that person. And I'm talking like in the middle of a presentation and you leave and you might lose your job, but it like this person, I got to follow them for the day. Or you're with your kids and you're like, kids, sorry, I know you're only two years old, but I've got to leave you. Like who would it be? Now I'm going to be honest, there's, there's a short, short list of people that I would follow. I'm telling you right now, if if Michael Jordan, the GOAT, the all-time greatest basketball player, stuck his head in that door right now and was like, hey, Kellen, come hang out with me for the day. This would be a really short sermon. <laughs> I'm going to hang out with the GOAT, all right? I'm just, I'm sorry. But there's not many living people that I would do that for. There's probably not many living people that you would be willing to maybe give up your job for. Now, I'll tell you what, if there, there's some people, if they came back to life, and they, like, like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Martin Luther King Jr., now, that seems like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go hang out with those people. I'd probably do that. But we're not, we're not just giving up everything to follow people. And so that's where we're in this new series called Mark. Um, actually, it's called Epic. There we go. It's in the book of Mark. And what I love about this is we're just going to be taking you guys through the book of Mark. Um, sometimes we're going to take maybe verse by verse. Sometimes, like today, we're going to look at bigger chunks of passages and just kind of take a bird's eye view of it. We want to give you a bird's eye view of the book of Mark. And in today's passage, it's a little bit of a longer passage, uh, but we're going to see uh, the, the beginning points of people following Jesus. 
um, and how it comes to be that people decide to follow him, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And so I'm going to take us to uh, Mark 1, verses 14 through 31. Again, it's a little bit of a longer one, uh, but hopefully you don't have an attention span like a teenager. And if you are a teenager, grow up and listen, all right? Here we go. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just, when, just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were, so, were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue... They went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on him. Now, I know there's a lot in that passage. Again, we're not going to hit on every little tiny thing in that passage, but it's good to get a good bird's-eye view of this is the beginning point of the ministry of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And as it's the beginning point, there's really, uh, this is kind of the the epic moment that Mark sees for Jesus. The biggest time of his life, these three years where he goes into ministry, out into uh, the lands around him, and he's, he's preaching the gospel, there's something super important in what Mark is trying to, to help us see about the life of Jesus here. Um, so we're going to look at the first things that Jesus says and the first thing that Jesus does in his ministry time. And Mark records it right here. So I want to look at the first thing that Jesus actually says in his ministry. First thing he says while ministering to people around him is he says a proclamation of the good news. Uh, going back to verses 14 and 15, it says, After John was put in prison, John the Baptist... Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, you probably all have in your mind this image of Jesus that's super peaceful, that's just calm. It's like he's the guy that's going to come into a room and everybody's just going to be like, ah, that's nice. That's why I think of Jesus a lot of the time. But take a look at the first thing he says. He walks into this place, walks into Galilee, and he just says, time has come. Now, I want to put it in context for you. I want you to pretend that you are down at downtown Janesville uh, in the summer at the farmer's market. I want you to just imagine somebody walks into the middle of uh, this big group of people, and they just shout out, time is here. It's come. 
you'd be, you'd, you'd be walking away from that person as quickly as you could, right? Because that's weird. And then Jesus, the very next thing that he says, says, the kingdom of God has come. Now, somebody walks into your church or somebody walks into the farmer's market and they say, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus is like, yo, the kingdom of, kingdom of God is here, guys. It's me. You're, I don't know about you, but I'm going to, I get scared of people that shout things in public like this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try not to look at them in the eyes. I'm going to walk away. What Jesus is doing here is he is trying to get people's attention. And he's, he is not afraid of saying crazy stuff. Jesus is trying to get people's attention. He doesn't care that what he says sounds kind of crazy. First thing that, that, that Mark records Jesus is saying is a proclamation of why Jesus came into the world. It's the good news that everybody wants to hear. And so after he says this stuff to get everybody's attention, the next thing that he says is repent and believe the good news. Now, as crazy as it sounds what he said before, this part's almost, is probably a little crazier. There are not many people that want to hear you tell them, like, you should change. I, sometimes, sometimes my wife has to have a conversation with me. Like, hey, Kellen, maybe you should change how you're doing that. And I don't like it. There's not one part of me that likes to be told that I need to change. Um, I was playing a game with Abby yesterday, and I got mad. And, and Crystal's like, Abby, I don't know why you want to play with him when he gets so mad. And, and I'm like, stop it. And I just got more mad, you know? Like, we don't like to be told not to do something a certain way. Um, Jesus shows no shyness in telling people what's true. When I read what he says here to these people in Galilee at the start of his ministry, I can't help but think this. What am I too afraid, afraid to talk about? What am I too afraid to bring up with some of the people around me because it might rub them the wrong way? Uh, what am I not willing to say to my kids just to kind of keep the peace at times? And the truth is, is a lot of, a lot of us, when, we, when we're not willing to say the thing that needs to be said to our kids, we're delaying that conversation for a time when it's going to be more difficult for them to actually change the behavior. And so we get afraid to say things but it actually hurts our kids in the long run. What am I not willing to speak up about because I'm afraid of the crowd that might attack me for saying the thing that nobody else is willing to say? No doubt, we live in, we live in a really politically charged time, right? And so, even just not even talking about politics, because of the political, political atmosphere that we find ourselves in, even talking about truth, talking about Jesus, Telling people our testimony. There is a part of us that's like, ah, oh, no, everybody, everybody just gets canceled. Everybody, if people don't like what you're going to say, they're, they're going to kind of disown me. And so do we back away from the things that we should say at times because we're, we're a little bit afraid? Maybe we've gone too far away from Jesus' example in how he talked to people. He was not afraid to, to say, say what needed to be said. To speak truth. I want you to understand this. While we live in an upside down world, standing up for truth, it is going to go against the grain of society. Standing up for Jesus is going to go against that. In your home, are you willing to speak up for truth and to speak up for the gospel when the time calls for it? So that you can 
drown out the lies of the world that are, are going on around everybody in your, in your family? Will you speak up, even be willing to look foolish at times, so that people can be made aware of what the good news about Jesus actually is? I love something that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. I'm telling you, speaking out the good news, standing up for truth, it's becoming more and more of a thing that it does take a little bit of courage. We can't just be willing to sit back and, and let everybody be comfortable with everything that we say all the time. Jesus was willing to speak truth. And it didn't matter to him what it looked like to other people. It is the very, very first thing that he did in his ministry was he proclaimed the gospel. So after, the, after this scene where Jesus comes out into Galilee and he proclaims the good news, Mark then actually describes the first thing that he kind of did. Okay, so this is the first thing that he said. Then he goes to what did he do first. And what he did is he went out to find people. It says, uh, the first thing that Jesus does in his ministry is he calls others to follow him. Verses 16 and 17. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And then he kept walking along the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee a little further, and he found two more dudes. He found two brothers that he asked them, hey, come follow me. And James and John, they both took up that call and they followed Jesus. We don't know Jesus' culture very well. Uh, you know, I've been in church all my life and the truth is I've, I find that I still have to study when I'm looking at a certain thing in Scripture to find the context of what the culture was like back in that day. And you might listen to this where Jesus is walking around calling people to be his followers. And you might think, oh, that's like, that's what people, that's what rabbis did back then. They would walk around and they would find people to be their students and their, and, and their disciples. And they would just call them themselves. But this is actually totally flip-flop for the way that it used to be. What would happen is, back in Jesus' culture, people would find a rabbi that they wanted to, to study under, and they would go to that person. They would go to that rabbi and they would say, hey, can, can, I, can I study under you? Jesus is doing the exact opposite. He's going out into the world and he is finding people. Now, did he know these guys? He at least probably knew one of these guys. Andrew, uh, it talks about in John chapter 1, Andrew was actually a, a disciple of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist saw Jesus walking around and he's like, there goes the Lamb of God. And that got Andrew kind of excited. And so Andrew started to follow Jesus around and kind of figure out who Jesus was. And so Jesus probably at least knew Andrew before he called him from this boat. But we don't know if he knew all of them. And it makes me wonder, what, what, is, it about, what is it about these guys that they were called by Jesus? You know, was it, was it because he knew them? Was it because they had some extra special talent? Was it because they were the only fishermen that didn't stink? So I'm telling you, you might not know this, but fishermen back then, my, my father-in-law is a fisherman. He comes in off the, off the lake. He doesn't really smell like fish. He's in the boat the whole day. He's, maybe he smells like, well, I would say sunscreen, but he never put sunscreen on. So he doesn't smell bad when he comes. These guys, what they would do is they would throw a net over the boat, and the net would go in the water, and they actually, the historians tell us, that they would jump in the water and they would close the net from the bottom 
to get all those fish in the net. These boys stunk. Every single fisherman. But what was it about these four guys? Jesus walked past all kinds of fishermen on, on the Sea of Galilee that day. And he called these four guys. And it comes down to grace. Jesus called these guys simply out of grace. So it makes me ask this question about myself. What is it about me that through grace, Jesus reached out to me and saved me? Nothing. Because I bring absolutely nothing to the table for Jesus. God's call in my life is a personal call. How unbelievably epic it is that the God of this universe, the creator of everything, would choose to personally give a call to you and me to come and follow him, just like he did with these, with these four disciples. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't bring anything to the table. I'm not like high first-round draft pick material. I'm just a dude, just like all of you. And Jesus still looks at us and he says, come, follow me. He calls out to us. His Holy Spirit calls. You might be like, Jesus never, where, did Jesus come to you? Okay, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit comes and he calls to us with reckless abandon. Some of, some of you, he, he was reaching out to you for years and years and years and years trying to get your attention. Because that, that call is personal. Things in life that <clears throat> are more important, we can't just really let them wait around for them to happen. God doesn't wait around for us. He comes after us. He calls to us. Um, I think about great entrepreneurs. Man, guys like Elon Musk. That dude, he doesn't just sit back and be like, man, I hope my business really takes off. That, go, that dude goes and gets it. It's impressive, actually. Um, you want a great romance in your life. You don't just sit back and be like, hmm, she's pretty. You go and find that woman that you like, or if you're a woman, the man that you like, and you go get him. If you want something in life that, it, that matters, you go for it. And so, um, just like Jesus came after us, just like he came after these disciples, I think that there's a call, an epic call on our lives. Part of our response to Jesus is to go out and call people to him as well. That's a tough thing for us. It's not something that we always feel comfortable with. But Jesus treats us with this kind of importance. He didn't wait around for these 12 guys to come. But a lot of times we treat uh, the call on our lives like the, like the rabbis in Jesus' culture did. Those rabbis, man, they just sat, they waited for people to come to them. I wonder how many times are we sitting around waiting for people to come and say, what, like, what is this Jesus to you? There are people in our lives that God has put in our hearts, he's put names on our hearts, people that we're, He's asking us to go and be, the, be Jesus to somebody and call him to himself. And sometimes we're just too afraid to do it. It's important that I think that we look for ways to be more assertive and less passive in making Jesus known. I think it's super, super important. And he actually said in this passage, he talked about how um, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It's okay to be scared about the idea of, of being part of this Jesus getting the gospel out into people's lives. It's, it's okay to be a little scared of it, but Jesus says he's going to give us the strength that we need to become followers, to become people who are bringing other people into the body of Christ. Um, but if we're not going to do it, who's going to do it? 
So Jesus said some really epic stuff. He did some really epic stuff at the beginning of his ministry. But now what I want to show you is what were people actually seeing in Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. And the first thing that others see in Jesus is they see epic authority. They saw authority in his calling. Uh, you know, the, in this passage it says that these guys immediately left their boats and they came and followed Jesus. Do you ever wonder what they immediately actually was in the Greek, the translation of it? It was translated correctly. It, was, it just means immediately. They, it wasn't immediately they went to their house and said goodbye to their families, or immediately they went and they packed up their stuff so they could hang out with Jesus. Immediately they left their boats, and they just took off for Jesus. These guys let everything go to follow Jesus because there was epic authority that Jesus had, and they saw it. When Jesus calls us, he doesn't require us to go and get a U-Haul to put all the the baggage from our life in and to carry it with us to Jesus. This is what I love about, about following Jesus. is We get to go to Jesus with nothing holding us back. Not who we once were, not our sin, not our past, not our fears. Uh, David Platt says, in Jesus, these men found someone worth losing everything for. We want to move from what we let go of to whom we hold on to. The authority of Jesus is so great that we actually, when we take, when we, we take this epic calling that he gives to us and we decide to surrender to him and to follow him, we actually get to leave everything beside, leave everything in the past. So they saw this, this epic authority that he had. They also saw authority in his teaching. It says in verse 22, the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Um, What's going on here is these guys, these rabbis, they would always teach what other rabbis taught. They didn't have authority at all. Um, Timothy Keller talks about how the, the word that was used here for this authority that he had in his teaching, it was the same, that the, the word that they would use for an author. And what that means is Jesus, being God himself, was able to, to speak truth to these people with an authority that nobody else had. Things that he's hearing from God because he is God himself. And so there was this authority that nobody else had. It didn't stop there. They saw his authority in how he healed people, healed this, this woman from her illness. How he, he had authority over evil, casting out this evil spirit. And what people saw is they saw that he had power. They saw that Jesus was worth following no matter what. That they could give up absolutely everything in their lives for him. I don't know about you, but like, it, it's tough for me sometimes. I think about if Jesus was here right now and he said, just, hey, Kellen, leave everything. I don't, I don't know if I've, if I've really given myself over to the authority of Jesus that way where I would just be like, yeah, I'm going to leave everything. But that's what he calls us to do, to leave our life from the past behind and to follow him. Uh, where's the team? You guys can come back up. I'm going to just be a couple more minutes here. See, Jesus has such an epic authority over us that if we actually come to terms with what that authority looks like, it is going to be impossible for us not to want to have a changed life. When I see the real Jesus, what's one of the 
things I love about Scripture, it actually talks about we're never going to be made perfect until we see Jesus face to face. When I can get to understand Jesus a little bit more, it's going to change my understanding of what I want to become like. That I'm going to want to be more like Jesus. If somebody today watched your life really closely, would they say that you live first and foremost under the authority of God? If they watched you for a day or for a week, would they say that you live under the authority of Jesus? What parts of your life are you living in submission to God, in complete submission to God? Uh, what parts of your life are you holding on to and, and you're kind of, you are the authority in that part of your life? If you want to be able to help God's kingdom by calling others to Jesus, it starts by following his call to surrender. Uh, I think this epic calling that Jesus has for us, an epic calling calls for an epic kind of surrender. Jesus calls out to us. And it's, it's a calling of grace. Nothing that you and I deserved to be able to, to be a person that was called out by Jesus. But by grace, he calls out to us. And something in us has to get to this point of like, okay, I don't just want to like partly surrender. I want an epic surrender. You've called me in such an amazing, beautiful way, God. I want to give my life fully. I want to, I want to surrender everything. Maybe what God's calling you today right now is to extend his call to somebody else. Is there a name that God has been putting in your mind, in your heart, maybe for years? This is somebody that I'm asking you to be the hands and feet of Jesus to go call out to them? Are there people that you're praying for on a daily basis who need to know Jesus? I'm telling you what, if we are, if we as followers of Jesus aren't praying for people that we know that aren't following Jesus, we're falling short. And here's the thing I've found out. When I start to, when I started to pray for people who didn't know Jesus, that God, I just, I want you to get I want you to do whatever you need to do to get them to know who you are, to know your gospel, to know your grace. The more that I do that, it's like he keeps putting more and more names in. And when I'm going for my run and I'm praying for these people, it's like, God, can you stop giving me so many names? This is taking a long time. But that's a good thing. There should be people and names that you have that God is asking you to call out to. Whether it's just calling out to him. God, do something in them. But if we don't have a passion for people like Jesus had a passion for his disciples, we are missing something. So this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to pray. I want us to pray that God would give us this epic kind of surrender to his epic calling in, in our own lives first. Okay, God, where do you want, where do I need to surrender? But then the second part is, God, I want to be part, that, part of this process of calling out to people with the gospel. I want people to see who you are. Give me a passion for that. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.